A very obvious fact, and I think it's worth repeating all the time. First thing I want to tell you is, God loves you. God loves you. you believe that? He really loves you. I mean, yes, we love the Lord, but God loves, loved us first. If you want to know what it is, that's 1 Timothy 4.19. You want to write it down. We love because He loved us first. Okay? So God loves us. And in John 15, 13, the Lord says, There is no greater love than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. And so when God went to the cross, when the Lord went to the cross to die for us, he said, listen, I'm about to display to you the greatest love you're ever going to see, that I, God, will die for you. Amen. He died for us. And when we think about that, it should melt our heart. It should make us cry. It should make us go, wow, Lord, this is so amazing. How could you have loved me so much? And in response, obviously, we love him back. Okay. And he loves us so much, not because, like, you know, like when you get a puppy, you know, you're, oh, my God, it's a puppy or a kid. I love my puppy. My kid. Okay, not that kind of love. There's a reason why he loves us so much. God loves us because God has a purpose. I think some of you are learning that, right? Yes. The Bible is very strong on this. It's very clear on this. God has a purpose. Not for you. For Him. Okay? So first thought I want you to get to your head. God has a purpose for Himself. And what's amazing about that is in this purpose that God has for God, man plays a crucial role. And because of that, God loves man. Because man is going to fulfill God's purpose. Okay? So another verse re reference for you is 2 Timothy 1.9. You can write it down and look it up later. Okay? So basically that verse says, God has his own purpose, and when he decided to call us and to, and to call us and to save us, he did it according to that purpose. So his salvation isn't merely just to make me feel better, to get me out of hell, to give me salvation. To make me spiritual? I mean, yes, we get those benefits, for sure. But his salvation is first for him to fulfill his purpose. Which means our lives as Christians is to fulfill God's purpose. Okay? And God's purpose, simply put, and we don't have time to get into it, but if someone asks you, what is God's purpose, and you are to answer, probably in the most all-inclusive and succinct way, this is what you should say. God's purpose is to have the God's purpose is to have the God's purpose church. is to have the church it's all over the New Testament in fact it's typified all over the Old Testament this is a topic that is not a mystery to us okay the Bible is very strong it's very clear on this God's purpose is to have the church and the church has many aspects the church is God's house for him to dwell in the church is God's bride for him to love and communicate with, and interact, and live with. The church is God's kingdom, where he can rule and reign, do whatever he wants. The church is God's sons, where he can express his life and his nature. Okay? The church is God's body, body of Christ, for him to act and move and to express him. So these are all these aspects, 
hopefully through the semester and the year, you guys will be brought more into this, okay? So for God to uh, obtain his purpose, he had to take several steps to do that. And the first thing he did was he created the whole universe. And that's why the Bible begins the way it did. It does. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And shortly after that, he creates man. But man fell. Man fell. So eventually, because man fell, God also became a man. Because he said, listen, for me to continue my purpose with man, I need to become a man. And as a man, he lived on the earth for 33 and a half years, a perfect sinless life so that he would be qualified to die for us. And then he went to the cross to die, accomplishing redemption, and he resurrected. Okay? And now, as the Spirit today, he can come to us. Alright? So, what I want you to realize is, there are certain steps that God takes in order to fulfill his purpose. And I want to show you some of these steps, because we right. need to know them, okay? And uh, when we come to the Gospels right away, because the Gospel is the beginning of the New Testament, the Gospel is when Christ, when God shows up on the scene. When we come to the New Testament right away, so let's go to your, uh, let's go to your uh, verses here. When we come to the New Testament right away, uh, okay, look at Matthew 4. The first thing God does to fulfill his purpose with us is he comes to us wherever we are, and he finds us, and he calls us, and he tells us, follow me. So look here, 19, 419, and he said to them, come after me, verse 20. And immediately, leaving their nets, they followed him. Feel free to underline any of this. <laughs> Verse 21, toward the end, he called them. Verse 22, they follow him. Matthew 9, 9. Jesus came to Matthew. And Jesus passed by on from there. He saw a man sitting at the tax office. Called Matthew. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose. And follow him. You see that? The Lord came to these ones. Physically. It was quite amazing. They lived 2,000 years ago on the earth like we do today. And Jesus, God in the flesh, came to them. And when he came to them, he says, follow me. This is how the New Testament begins. God is issuing a call. Follow me. And he went to them. Individually. He went to them. And called them at their boats at their tax office, at wherever, under a fig tree. He said, follow me. And they responded and they followed him. That was 2,000 years ago. Now, he's not here today to do that with us, okay? But um, I want you to write this down, okay? Acts 17, 26, and 27. And uh, Kyle, which are you? Yeah, bro. Why you do that with, uh, with your booming voice? 26 and 27? Yeah. And he made from one every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, determining beforehand their appointed seasons and the boundaries of their dwelling, that they might seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, even though he is not far from each one of us. Okay. So, listen. You know, this verse is really cool because these verses, because it tells us 
even before we were born. Okay? And we know God pre-marked us, predestinated us. I think Neil talked about that a little bit Thursday. But even before we were born, He was planning. He started to plan where you would be born, who you would be born with, when you would be born, where you would live, how far you would get to travel, who you would get to meet, who's going to end up talking to you, what you're going to read, what you're going to hear, what you're going to say. And He did all this. So that eventually we might seek Him, Amen. even though He's not far from us. So the Bible shows us God is so interested in us that 2,000 years ago, He would personally come up to the disciples. Whether they knew it or not, they were staring at God. And God said to them, follow me. But He's not here to do that today. He's the Spirit now. And He's operating through all of our lives, planning things out. You were born on the exact day God decided you would be born on. Not a year earlier, not 10 years earlier, not a centuries earlier. Because had that happened, you may not be here to follow the Lord. He planned it all so we would follow Him. Amen. Okay? So what Chris says last night, the first thing God wants, He wants to have a relationship with man. Desperately, He wants us to follow Him. Okay. Then we, so here we are. The Lord's called us. And we have a relationship with Him. We're enjoying, Lord, I love you. I see you in the Word. I touch you when I pray. I enjoy you in my spirit. So we're there to follow Him. And as we follow the Lord and enjoy Him, He actually begins to progress on with us. He takes another step with us. And the next step is He starts to join us with another believer. Amen. Okay, the Lord does this. The first step He takes is He comes and have us follow Him. And as we begin to know him more and enjoy him more, the next step he takes is he begins to join us with another Christian. And so look at the next set of verses, Matthew 10, 1 5. It says, now he called, not Peter, Andrew, or so forth, or Matthew, he called his 12 disciples to him. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then in verse 2, he begins to tell you. And the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. And you will notice here that in the Bible, when the Lord was speaking here, he named them in sets of two. Okay? Simon was called Peter and Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew. James and Thaddeus. Simon and Judah. Judas. You see that? Okay, next verse. 6-7. And he, he called the twelve to him and began to send them out. And when he sent them out, he sent them by two by two. He didn't leave them as individuals. Hmm. He said, look, I know I have a personal and individual relationship with you, but I want to add another step to you. Amen. I'm going to send you out, and when I do it, you can go two by two. Amen. Okay? And look at verse uh, Luke 10, 1. And so those were the twelve. Eventually, he had 77 disciples. Now to these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two. Hmm. Okay? So, as we begin to pursue the Lord and enjoy Him and get to know Him, actually, it should be very normal that we should have a sense within, I need to be joined to at least one more Christian. This is normal. And the first thing you have to realize is the source of this is the Lord. He is the one that does this. So that doesn't mean, listen, you may say, okay, I've been a Christian all my life. I've gotten to know the Lord more and more in my life. 
Now, based on this word in the Bible, okay, I agree. I need to go get me another Christian, another one I can be joined to. And so you, we might look around and say, hmm, uh, what do I like? Uh, no, not him. Uh, uh, not him. I don't know. Uh, maybe him. I don't think so. I don't like him. He talks too fast. Uh, no, he walks too slow. No, okay. That's not the way the Bible shows us, okay? The pattern the Bible shows us is actually the Lord is the one who joins us. It is his decision who we get joined by. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not our choice. It's his choice. So what that means for us is, as a believer, we need to pray. and say, Lord, I need a companion. I need another Christian. Who would you lead me to be joined to? The Lord knows these things. And actually, he wants to do these things. And we need to ask him. Okay? So this is something we should pray about. You know, it's easy. Listen, we like to hang out with people that are like us. They talk like us, they walk like us, and whatever, okay? That's our natural choices. And sometimes those work out, sometimes don't. Let me tell you what, most time it doesn't work out. In fact, when I graduated high school and I went to college, you know, one of the funny jokes that went around high school was, uh, if you want to stay best friend with somebody, don't live with them. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's because, you know, I mean, you know, you graduate, like, okay, I like you, let's live together. And like two years later, I hate you and get out of my life. <laughs> need the Lord to come in. Lord, I open to you, I open my heart to you. Who is this person? Let me know somehow. Send me an email. Send me a sign. Send me a text. I know you can do it. You're God. You can create a whole universe. You can send me some kind of a signal to let me know who my companion is. Okay, the Lord can do this. Alright. Now, interestingly, I'll say this. So, if you notice here, in the verses I gave you, uh, Peter is joined to his brother. Andrew, they were actually flesh brothers, okay? And for some reason, actually a number of them, a couple of other ones here are also flesh brothers. For whatever reason, in the initial, when the Bible first revealed this matter, the Lord joined them in a natural way, because they're naturally related, okay? It was very interesting. Um, but then later, if you read through the gospel, the Lord, he, he tweaks it a little bit. And there's a number of times in the gospel, which seems to indicate to us that it happened quite a bit, the Lord would do something special, and he wouldn't take all 12 of them. He actually would only take three. It happens no time. In fact, some of the major stories that occurs that are recorded in the Gospels, only the Lord only chose three of them to be with him. And those three were Peter, John, and James. James. Okay? It's recorded in the Gospel. And it's recorded in such a way that it indicates to us the Lord did this quite often with just these three. I don't know why. This was the Lord's choice. For some reason, he did that. And so it's very interesting that even though uh, Peter and Andrew were joined by the Lord here in the first list, eventually the Lord started joining Peter, John, and James. John and James were brothers. Peter was not related to them. He began to put them together. This is interesting because eventually, toward the end of the gospel, we begin to see Peter and John becoming companions. Okay? So if you look at the next verse, John 20. Verses 1 to 4. On the, on the day that the Lord resurrected, after Mary went and told the brothers, Hey, by the way, <clears throat> you know, it's true. He did what he said. He <laughs> defeated death and he resurrected. Okay, if you look here in verse 2. She ran, therefore, and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved. That would be John. We know that. They have taken, um, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have made him. 
Peter, therefore, went forth, as well as the other disciple, and came to the tomb. And the two ran together. Mm. They ran together. Okay? The story continues so forth. There's a little bit more. Okay? But we see here, now, they're still together. They're doing things together. And they get to the tomb together. Actually, one beats the other. Okay? But then the one who beat the other wouldn't go in because he was scared. So the one who came in second actually had more courage. He went in. He said, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, get in here. <laughs> All right. So this is the pattern we see in the gospel. Amen. We pursue the Lord. That's the first compass, right? That's the thumbs up. Between, Lord, between you and me, I need this thumbs up. If ever we get this here, thumbs down, you know, if the Lord gives us the Cisco and Ebert thumbs down, we got to go, okay, Lord, what, what's wrong? Okay, what did I do? What did I say? What happened? Okay, we got to fix that. Turn this to thumbs up. Okay? And then, uh, after we have that direction in the compass, then we see the Lord as we pursue Him. He starts to lead us to have a companion. Okay? I would say it is impossible. It is not right that as we pursue the Lord more and more and more, and we grow in Him, and we make progress in Him, that we would have no sense, no registration, that we would have another companion. That's not right. That's not what the Gospel shows us. It's not the pattern in the Bible. The pattern in the Bible says that as we... Listen, it's like, if I... If when, you know, Kyle was born... I think you were pretty big when you were born. You, Twelve and a half pounds. Oh. Oh. Twelve and a half pounds. Yeah. <laughs> His mom refused to rock him at night. Born at home. Born at home. And, and, and lived there until the day he went to college. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, listen. Fun fact Friday. Listen. Yeah, sure. Listen. It is normal after he's born that as his mom feeds him, he naturally begins to grow. That's a normal, normal way of life. That's a normal law of nature. Okay, it is not right if you, his mom feed him, and a year later, and two years later, and he's still just a little wee bitty guy, right? People say something not right here. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Okay, the the gospel, the Bible shows that it is normal as I pursue the Lord more. My time in the Word is getting better. My prayer is getting richer. I'm enjoying my spirit more and more. It should be normal that we begin to have a registration in the Lord. I need a person. I should have a companion. I'm not meant to do this alone. That's right. This is normal, okay? This is normal for us. This is what the Lord wants. Okay. Amen. So this is the pattern we see in the gospel when the Lord first began to interact with man on the earth. Okay, when we get to the Acts, the book of Acts, we see the continuation of this. So after, you know, the gospel is before the Lord's death and resurrection, and with Acts is after his death and resurrection. When we get to Acts, we see the same thing. And so you look at these verses here, Acts 1.13. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were residing. And then the scriptures began to name them, and they also named them in pairs. Mm. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Tom, Bart and Matt, James and Simon, <laughs> Judas. And there was one missing, and when that one was missing, it bothered them so much they had to find another person. Okay, so we see the same thing. Then go to the next verse. And then after Pentecost, okay, I mean at the day of Pentecost... Peter, you know, the Lord had prophesied that Peter would open the door here with his keys that the Lord gave him. That's another story. It says here, Acts 2.14, but Peter, standing with the eleven. 
that? The Bible makes these emphasis. Is that really necessary that we know he stood up with the 11? And then it, it goes on for like verses and verses and verses about what he said. Why mention with the 11? It's not important. But it makes an emphasis there. That's okay. Right. And then in Acts 3.1, now Peter and John were going up into the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I gave you some more verses there where you see Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John. And eventually it stops after eight. You don't see so much Peter and John because Paul and so-and-so begins to take over. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Titus, and so forth and so forth. But when you look at Acts and you see the disciples working and doing and moving and acting for God, they were always at least in care. Amen. This is God's desire, okay? Good. Okay, so the next verse, Matthew 18, 20. This is a crucial verse. It says here, for where there are, you guys know this verse, for where there are two or three gathered into my name, there I am in the midst. I like this verse. It is the minimum verse. That's why I call it. I call this the minimum verse. The minimum number is two or three. Okay? Meaning, Lord, right now I want some companions. Where do I begin? You know, you got to take a step. You know, sometimes you just can't make a big jump. You're like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I just make a little step. First step is two. That means me plus one other person. Right? Or maybe three. It's interesting. He didn't say two or six or seven. You know, or two, where two or eight are gathered. I kind of consider that. Like, why not? Because I think it's not that practical right away to like, you know, uh, I think I need about four, four companions. Now, actually, the thought here is just two or three. Okay? And these two or three, if you notice, they are gathered into his name. Okay? So there's a, there's a definition of how they're joined together. You know, it doesn't say here, gather and gather in the name of uh, bowling or gather in, uh, you know, the name of this or that. You know, there is a, there's kind of a, uh, a factor here that shows you why they're together. We have all kinds of friends and companions. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I'm just, you know, you may, listen, you may have Christian friends, but you may have all kinds of friends. In classes, you guys will meet all kinds of people. You may even meet people from other religion. And that's fine. But it's somewhere in there, we need somebody who my relationship between you and me is defined by his name. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not the name of Buddha or the name of this or that or the name of what or what. You understand what I mean? My relationship, how, 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 how are we together? How are we too? In his name. Amen. You understand what I mean? We need some Christian companions. Okay. Now, um, okay. So step one, the Lord calls us. We have the direction with him. Step two, <laughs> we have companions. Okay, we have companions. All right, that's the second compass. Now, the Lord eventually, even with companions, he wants to take us to even to another step. Okay, and that step now is the church. Because ultimately, God's purpose is not to have two or three, right? God's purpose is to have the church. Does that make sense? Okay. And one of the reasons why God's prayers have church because, you know, would you rather, I know this is a silly example, but would you rather have, would you rather have two dollars or would you rather have a million dollars? Don't answer me, but the choice is clear. Okay? Okay. Uh, let's do a couple of verse hopping real quick because my time is going fast. Uh, can you get me Philippians 4.19? Who else got a Bible? I need Ephesians 1.18, and then we'll finish with Acts 8.3, okay? So, Philippians 1.19, 
Ready? Be strong. And my God will fill your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, you like that verse? Oh, yeah. My God will fill your what? Need. And? According to his riches. Okay, do y'all have needs? I have needs. You guys have needs. Actually, you guys are starting your freshman career here. You're going to have a lot of needs, okay? And God's, listen, God's promises, I'll meet your need. Amen. Whatever you need, I'll meet it. And I will fill it according to my riches. Okay. And I need a Ephesians 19. Ephesians 19. Okay, go ahead. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Okay. So he's going to give you riches, his riches, to meet your need. But this verse tells you where those riches are. You know mm. where they are? That verse, 118, says the riches are in his holy people. And the context of that whole section, if you read on to verse 23 at the end, those people are at the church. Amen. So the riches of God is in the church. Listen, you may have a wonderful experience with the Lord, and then you and another brother may have an awesome experience with the Lord, but there's even more than that, right? When we meet God's people, that multiplies exponentially. So Amen. God's riches is in the church. So eventually, not just we have some companions, but God desires to take us another step into a larger realm where God is very rich, and that's in the church. Amen. Okay, let's finish out with Acts 8 3. Who's got it? But Saul was devastating the church, entering house after house. Stop! But Saul, okay, so this story is when Saul, before he was Paul, he was like persecuting the Christian, right? But Saul was devastating what? A church. But where did he go? House after house. Okay, so read that verse again, please. But Saul was devastating the church, entering house after house. You see that? It says, but Paul, but Saul was devastating the church, and how did he find the church? Houses. He went into house after house. Okay? What does that mean? That means practically speaking, practically speaking, the way we practically experience the church is in the homes of other believers. Amen. Okay? So, I don't have much time left. But one of the great things that I began to experience after I met the club as a sophomore here is right away I got to meet some of the homes of people that were related to the group. And for the time until the time I graduated, I had an awesome time. I went to so many people's homes because when I touched the homes, I touched the riches of God in those homes. That was the riches of the church. And that's why, I just finished with this, Acts 2, 46, 47. So this is after Pentecost. So now Peter's done with his message. Thousands of people got saved, probably baptized, and then it says here, and day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread in the church. No, breaking bread from house to house. They partook of their food. That means what? They were just living humanly, doing normal stuff, eating. They partook of their food with exaltation and simplicity of heart. And then 47, praising God, that's spiritual. Amen. And having grace with all the people. So get into a home where it's just not, oh, it's all about food, or it's just not all about praising, but it's a combination of both. Amen. Okay? Because when we touch the church this way, practically, we can really enjoy the riches of God. Amen. Okay? All right. So I have the rest of it's on here. Maybe we'll get to cover it another time. And uh, I think I'll turn it over to the president. Amen. Okay.